Welcome back to the Home Care Podcast. I'm your host, Managing Editor Kristen Easterling. Each month, I'll bring you fresh interviews with home care experts and providers just like you, with the goal of helping you run your business better. Today is another great chat, so let's dive in. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services requires accreditation for Medicare participating home medical equipment and home health providers. Sandra Canali is the founder and CEO of the Compliance Team, a nationally recognized healthcare accreditation organization that is CMS deemed for multiple areas of your business. She joins the podcast today to talk about the accreditation process and some of the exciting things happening for the organization. Hi, Sandra. How are you today? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing so well. So for providers who may be new to the accreditation process, can you give an overview of how it works and why it matters? Well, let me, I'd have to go out, go back several years, but accreditation the way it used to be was always known as difficult and costly. Okay. So when the compliance team entered the field and we're talking about introducing our program in 1998, so it was prior to the implementation of the Medicare Modernization Act, there were a few accreditors that were actively accrediting providers back then before the mandate. So it's so important to concentrate on keeping your standards simplified as well as redefining the process, which is what we did. Okay. There are differences among the accreditors with how they organize their standards and how their process is when a provider signs up. So talking to me, my reference point is going to be how the compliance team does it. And although all of us are CMS approved, we have our proprietary ways of doing things. So you talked about keeping your standards simplified, kind of go in a little bit on what that means. Um, Because from an outsider's point of view, from an editorial perspective, the process seems a little in-depth. Simplified means that you don't need to hire an outside consultant to interpret what that means. Simplified means plain language. Uh, One of the things that we did early on is create standards that were based on day-to-day operations. So you would have sections of the manual with administration, human resources, equipment management, things like that, that made sense to the provider. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to know, okay, how am I supposed to train my employees? How am I supposed to clean the equipment? they knew what standards that they were looking for to get those answers. And basically they utilized accreditation standards to set up their their businesses. If they were a new provider, what better way to set up your business organizationally than from taking your the standards that are operations driven? Now, one of the other important aspects of quality standards for DemiPost or for any of the pharmacies or whatever is to make them product line specific. Now, if you recall, when CMS 
introduce their standards, they had addendums for respiratory, for complex rehab, and for O&P over and above the basic standards. The compliance team back in 1998, when we introduced our standards, had made them product line specific right out of the gate. Now, what I mean by that is in the set of standards, like for equipment management or patient services, you'll have a standard that'll highlight okay, this is for all product lines. Okay. And then if you do respiratory, if you do orthopedic, if you do wound care, if you do mail order, if you do whatever, you can make it more, we have more detailed standards for those type of providers. Now, okay. why does that matter? Because it's all about meeting the patient need. Okay, yeah. And Mrs. McGillicuddy, that's getting oxygen has a greater need from her provider than Mr. Jones that has the manual wheelchair or maybe a walker or a cane. So you can't just have one set of standards that lump everything together and not give that detailed information to the provider as to this is exactly how you need to treat Mrs. McGillicuddy, who's on oxygen. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I never, um, I know that the compliance team has a bunch of different programs, but it never really clicked in my head, at least, that to go above and beyond just the basic CMS standards would help with patient care and serving those patients. Absolutely. And the importance of not only the simplification so that anybody in the organization can pick up the set of standards that were free. We've always given them free to anybody that wanted them because healthcare standards should be free. Uh, and, you know, they could then, you know, pick them up, give them to their warehouse staff and say, look at these as to what you need to do to manage your equipment. So the other thing that's very important in choosing an accreditor is what the process is going to be, all right? Not all accreditors treat that the same. You could uh, call the compliance team right. as an accreditor and ask us our process. And we would tell you that we're gonna help you every step of the way. Now, what that means is we assign them an advisor to do a series of upfront training calls, reviewing each and every standard. So they have that better understanding of what they need to implement into their organization. Asking them, okay, how are you dealing with this now? Are you dealing with this now? Or maybe not, maybe they're a brand new provider. And this is really helping them gauge their progress, put their roadmap together as to how they're gonna put in place all of these standards. Now, when that provider is finished, the call series with our advisor, during that time, they get self-assessment checklists to gauge their progress for all the standards. 
when they're done that that process, then they sign a paper that says, okay, I've implemented everything. And another advisor goes on site to verify and validate that they have in fact met the standards. It's very important to have that arm's length difference between who is training them, so to speak, educating from afar, reviewing standards, reviewing operational questions, and the actual review of the provider on site. You know, you're working with um, providers who come in, they meet with your advisor. Do you ever run into this attitude of, I don't need to worry about this. This is just something nice to have. And is there more the industry could be doing to combat that attitude? Well, number one, if they choose to bill Medicare Part B, they do in fact have to worry about it, but because it's required, they're not gonna be able to bill okay. uh, Medicare for DemiPost without going through one of the accreditation organizations and being successful. Now, I will add that there are there's certainly a growth in non-Medicare businesses whether it be just retail or mail order or whatever, but a lot of private pay really requires accreditation as well. So they need to be careful when they're dismissing accreditation as they don't need it. Now, the other thing is outside of, you know, billing and payer driven is the fact that accreditation hands down improves your business because a third party coming in is there to verify and validate that you meet these standards and that we're validating their quality. They may say to this payer or referral source that they're really good at what they do. Well, now they have a third party validating that which holds a lot more weight. So aside, you've, you've kind of mentioned it, it's verifying the quality of the organization. What are some other upsides to having an organization accredited um, outside of it's required by CMS? Well, certainly, you know, working with the patients and, you know, improving satisfaction from your patient. Because if you go back to standards, we require you know, follow up with your patient. And as a requirement, the patient, and you're going to get more orders from Dr. Jones, who is Mrs. McGillicuddy's doctor, because you're better managing their patient. That's a direct result of that third party validation. The other thing is we identify areas in need of improvement within the organization. And that is of great value. As a business owner, you know, you need to, because you're in the weeds every day, you may not notice that something has gone a little off track. You have an right. accreditor come in to evaluate every part of your organization, talking to your people, evaluating your people when they're doing home deliveries is really key and very beneficial to the business and to the business owner. 
Yeah, I, I can't, I, I don't know how many business owners out there after, you know, the first few years ride around with their delivery people. Um, so that, that I can definitely see the benefit in that. Well, and suppose they have a few delivery people. There may be a difference between John and Joe and their delivery of care their documentation with what needed to be done and what was done and and maybe they forgot to check all the boxes right yeah that's that's fair and and if joe is messing up but john's doing a great job you need to know that (laughs) exactly and you know certainly patient satisfaction is key one of the things the compliance team does is offer a patient satisfaction portal to all of our customers so that you know at any given time when they when they um, survey their patient it could be via phone call it could be via text or email it's going to go directly into our portal where we here at the compliance team aggregate the data and they're able then to see their reports on the DemiPost side with, with the surveys, they're able to put in Joe, the technician, or you know Mary, or whoever, as well as make it product specific. Okay. So these are the surveys for all the oxygen patients. These are the surveys for anybody that got the power wheelchair and how the satisfaction differs between the two because it's directly related to the training that the tech got and what they did with education of the patient. Okay, okay, that's cool. That's a really neat feature. Um, And I feel like, and that that feedback is probably valuable for um, for the provider as much as it is for you and your team doing the compliance surveys. Absolutely, because it shows patterns that maybe, you know, maybe this tech over that tech is in need of further training. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, So you have the patient satisfaction portal, you can point out training deficiencies. What are, but what are some of the barriers you see to completing accreditation? What do providers struggle with and how do they do better? Okay. So Again, I'm going to go back to the basics. Okay. I love the basics. If the standards are not written in plain language and they don't even understand what they mean, okay, so you've got a barrier right there that you've got to overcome. And that's where you get into, oh, then I need to hire somebody else to bring in to show me. There are accreditors that the standards are written sort of obtusely. So one really doesn't, especially a new provider entering the industry, looks at it and goes, I really don't understand what this means. Right, yeah. You know, the other need is, again, in giving them the help, the training, the education, but also we provide templates of policies and forms. And so they don't have to start from scratch. Now they need to adapt it to what their organization is doing because 
you know, if we go in and we're there to evaluate and we see, okay, there's our template and you haven't done anything with it, with putting your name on it and who approved it and the date it was approved and that it matches up with the process that you're actually performing, then they're not going to get credit for that, that policy because they need, it needs to be theirs, not just a template that they took off the shelf. But it is beneficial. Again, I'll go back to understanding not only the standards, but operationally. So does this standard even match your business model? Some of the, we look at it from the provider perspective where, okay, explain to me your business model, how you're delivering this care. Because some of these standards, if they're doing mail order, well, then we're not evaluating the home environment. We're not doing certain things with the delivery vehicle because it's going another route. You need to make sure that whoever you go with as an accreditor is adaptable and able to look at your business model with their standards and and do it correctly so that you're not being scored for something that you don't you don't do it that way. So it's important. It's all about the provider. It's not about us. It's about the provider. Just to kind of restate what you said, if a provider does drop shipping and mail order, they don't really have a warehouse that they put product on a truck and send it to the patient. It's a different process and a different um, different form for them versus, you know, that person who is shipping the oxygen concentrator out um, on a truck. Well, it, exactly. And don't misunderstand. There are many different models. Okay. So just because they're mail order doesn't mean that they don't have the, the equipment in their warehouse. It may mean that they're not doing the actual delivery. Maybe they contract out the delivery to another firm. So there's not one way of doing things. There's many different, and certainly I know you were interested in how the pandemic yes. impacted demi posts and home care and accreditation. Yeah, yeah. It impacted us a lot. But okay. once again, what we did very quickly was turn our inspection, if you if you want to call it that, <laughs> into a real-time remote process. So we were able to do Zoom when they were able to upload their policies and their forms so that we could look at those. And then we would do much like we're doing today, except that we would have them, oh, okay, now walk around the warehouse. Okay. Show okay. us this. Okay, you see that wheelchair? Let's see, is that clean or dirty? Where do you, where do you have it tagged? How do we know it's clean or dirty? Looking at signs, looking at if it was pharmacy, we'd be pulling out, okay, pull that drug. Show us expiration. So we went into pretty good depth for a virtual review that was real time. It wasn't like do a video, walk around and send it to us. We were actually on camera with them, evaluating them. 
for the Zoom, uh, for the virtual things, did providers appreciate that? Uh, I know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, because we kept everybody safe. You know, you don't need additional people coming into your place of business and going from place to place. You know, we needed to prevent the spread of infection, both from our for our providers as well as the patients they serve. So one of the other things that we did was we did weekly webinars. We okay. were educating the entire time during the peak, during all the changes, and we would educate the providers on what they needed to do to meet those changes and challenges. We would continually reach out to the provider. Okay, I see you, re you told us that you now have some COVID positive patients show, tell me how you're doing your home care visit. It's an oxygen patient that needs the oxygen. So what are you doing? What kind of, you know, PPE protective equipment are you using? Are you putting the concentrator on the step and educating through the window? What, you know, over the phone, what, how are you doing things to comply and help the patient, but at the same time, protect yourself and your staff. Yeah. And there was many ways of getting it done. And all our providers got it done, rose to the occasion. One of the things that they did during the pandemic, and we're still in it, just not at that same level, was they did more follow-up. So they were on the phone with the patient much more often than they were before. DME and home health, they're high touch forms of care, but I imagine that that frequent follow-up helped patients feel more secure in what they were getting. Absolutely, because when they could reach out to the provider, now maybe the provider wasn't as apt to run right out like they, they did in the past, they would do a Zoom or if that wasn't possible, just get the people on the phone, get the people on the phone, do it the old fashioned way. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I had providers that even I got on the phone with and said, okay, what are you dealing with? All right. So, you know, you're in front of Mrs. Jones's house. They're at the, the window, call them up, you know, hold up the you know, the device, the octave, whatever, <laughs> you, can, you can do it. You can do education through the, through the window. Yeah. Through the, you know, there were many different, you know, there were a lot of um, enclosed porches and, you know, stoops that were, that were used for drop-off where, oh, okay, we can drop off the tanks inside the the enclosed porch and then leave and not really go into the patient's airspace. So, you know, a variety of things were done. Yeah. Are things shifting back to normal if there ever is such a thing? Oh, absolutely. Now, we also were deemed for rural health clinics and we, we weren't able to continue with the real-time remote on that side of the fence for a long time. They wanted us out there, which we did. And um, 
you know, now in Demipost and pharmacy, we're out there for the most part, there still might be if they're reaccreds and we've had them for a long period of time, the renewal, and, you know, they've just been, you know, exemplary <laughs> providers right. for all these years. And maybe they're doing low risk uh, patients, then, you know, we may still do a virtual here and there, but for the most part, or if it's really in the middle of Timbuktu and there aren't any other providers in that area, we may uh, may do that. Uh, certainly uh, one provider comes to mind in Guam. Oh, wow, okay. So uh, yes, we're doing a, a virtual for Guam. Um, shifting gears just a little bit, are there any policy um, legislation, CMS changes, that you're keeping an eye on? Um, is there anything you'd personally like to see from CMS regarding accreditation? No, I see you know, on the DemiPost side of the fence, it's so different than uh, survey and cert side. So no, we, we don't need any, any changes. We, it's been this way for, oh goodness. I mean, obviously we, we did it prior to the Modernization Act, but the, um, the original deadline of that act was September 30th, 2009. Okay. And uh, the accreditors were named in 2006. So no, I mean, obviously we all uh, get together on conference calls with CMS on a regular basis. Uh, both in DemiPost as well as the um, other, what I refer to as the other side, which is the hospital side. And uh, so we have that, that ongoing communication that if there is any issue or whatever that needs to be brought to their attention, we're able to do that. And so that's, that's always good that you have uh, that communication uh, link to them. Uh, if we if we need it, uh, but you know we hope we don't need it. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, the compliance team is is a strong organization within its own right, and so I I don't foresee the need for CMS to come out with with policy. Okay, so kind of unless you have anything else to add, what's next for the compliance team? Well, the, the one thing that we did not get into is we, we talked about patient need and certainly accreditation standards uh, relating to that, but also with value-based care, yeah, yeah, where there's the more clinical services that you offer, the greater, you know, the, it's going to help the patient in terms of patient outcome and, and so forth. And I think of our respiratory home, which is an offshoot of patient-centered medical home on the primary care side, which were approved by CMS for that. So there, there seemed to be a need with that high level clinical respiratory uh, model that then we, we, we tend to look at things market-driven, where, okay, this is happening in the industry, we see this increase, and it would be beneficial to the providers 
the referral sources and of course the patient to have more specific standards that relate to these developing models. Now, eventually it would be good if they were able to get higher reimbursement for those things. But right now, even if you look at value-based as bringing additional value to the patient, you're also gonna be noticed by that physician such as the pulmonologist or whatever, that wants to make sure that the respiratory provider that they, they choose for their patients are going beyond what is the basic. And that's why we come up with the value-based models that we do. Okay, and you have, you mentioned the patients in a respiratory home. Um, and part of and we have pharmacy, pharmacy home, home for the pharmacy, as well as clinical disease management, which we just introduced oh, cool. on the pharmacy side, really highlighting uh, chronic diseases such as diabetes, hypertension, and hyperlipidemia for those pharmacies that are you know, delivering those kind of clinical services to those patients with chronic disease. Okay. Okay. Um, so value-based care is patient-centered care, it, and that's yes. it, that's reflected yes. in the name of your programs. Why is it so important to have that patient center, the patient at the center of care? Well, as as we talked about when we created product line specific standards, it's all about meeting the patient need. It goes back to the founding principles of the compliance team, which is that every patient deserves exemplary care and that it shouldn't be that difficult or costly to achieve that level of care if you focus on what matters. And we here at the compliance team relate that to be safety, honesty, and caring in all of our programs and all of our standards. Because if you as a provider excel in those three things, what else matters? The rest is just minutia. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Um, those are all the questions I have for you. Is there anything we missed? Is there anything my listeners need to know? I think that's a wrap right there. That's a good ending. All right. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. Your wisdom and knowledge of the industry is always so appreciated. Thanks so much. Appreciate the, um, the opportunity. The Home Care Podcast is a production of Home Care Media and Cahaba Media Group. Producers of Home Care Magazine, the Home Care Now newsletter, Home Care Product Watch, and so much more. Visit homecaremag.com for more information. You can find the Home Care Podcast at homecaremag.com slash podcast, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen.